Hello. Welcome. I'm Sarah Platts, longtime Aspen artist and resident, and we are here to discuss to A or not to A. That is the question. And I'm here at wonderful grassroots with an old friend and a man who loves the arts and knows what it takes to make them happen, um, Mr. Paul Mentor. Hi, Sarah. Uh, hi. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm glad to be here. I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And um, Paul is the former Aspen Finance Director from 2002 to 2007 and currently an Aspen Daily News columnist, right? That's correct. Every Wednesday. <laughs> Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Woo, that's a, that's a big commitment. Yep. Um, so um, we're going to start out this conversation. I'm so glad it's you. I'm glad it's me, too. I want to tell you, folks, this gentleman um, knows about finance, and he loves art, and I've known that since I met him when he first came here in 2002. So um, first of all, we're going to define Measure 2A, and would you do the honors in telling our audience what that is? Certainly. So... 2A is a measure that's been put before the voters of the city of Aspen that requires a 60% majority to pass. And what it does is it alters the use of an existing tax, the real estate transfer tax that was put in place in 1979 to support the Wheeler Opera House and um, arts in Aspen. And as you know very well, because you and your mother were around at the time it happened, um, the amount of support that was allowed to come from this tax for the arts was limited to $100,000 by the original ordinance. The primary thrust of this um, initiative, or this ballot measure, it's not an initiative, this ballot measure would be to eliminate that restriction. Um, and it's very short. And so I'm actually just going to read it really okay, quickly, perfect. if that's okay. So um, what it says is, shall ordinance number 19, series of 2021, which if approved by at least 60% of the electors voting, will continue, to use, will continue the use of the Wheeler Opera House real estate transfer tax for the benefit of the Wheeler Opera House, will allow for the use of the Wheeler Opera House real estate transfer tax for the purpose of supporting the cultural, visual, and performing arts, including the capital and operational support of the Red Brick Center for the Arts, and will remove the current limitation of $100,000 of the, of the grant funds generated by the tax for the purpose of supporting cultural, visual, and performing arts, including the support of the Aspen Red Brick Center for the Arts be approved. So it's intended, they add the word cultural, Visual and performing arts were originally included in the measure, and they eliminate that um, that restriction. And of course, the Red Brick Center is the center for the arts that is owned by the city, which we're in right now. Which we are, yes, yeah. we are mm -hmm. in right now. We're in Grassroots TV. Yeah. And um, I, I do want to address that Mom and I were here um, in 1979. And my mom, Janet Garwood, worked with you and others um, on finance and arts, and I was lucky to be in a collaboration with her. So I learned a lot um, as an artist working with her. And I do want to point out that in that original tax, we really wanted half of it to be for the visual and performing artists that live here 
and the groups that the individuals and nonprofit artistic groups that function here in Aspen function very well. And uh, the opera house was falling down. A lot of people don't know that. It was really a wreck, and we wanted to fix it. So um, it was never meant to be primarily for structures or administrative salaries. It was meant to, for half of it from the beginning to be for working artists. And that is really why I'm here today with you, because that changed drastically in our community. Um, Many of us know that the situation for actually creating here has, um, well, let's say it's dried up and we're hoping that this is something that might replenish that. But I'm here today to discuss not just whether or not it will pass, lifting that ceiling will happen now or in the future. I want to discuss primarily today if it if and when it does pass, how those funds will be distributed and by whom. Right. And you've gone to great lengths to let the mayor and council know your perspective on that. Yes. Um, that your, and my understanding is, and you should probably talk about this a little bit, is that you believe that there should be an arts council that has that, has kind of delegated that, that responsibility. Am I yes. right about that? Yes, yes, okay. I, I, I really do. I'm, I'm an international producer. I, um, I'm working on a project now for here and the UK. I never leave my community out. I always engage a project I'm working on. I work on it in Colorado. This is my home, and I take it wherever in the world I'm lucky enough to get to take it. And the reason I'm in this position as I was nurtured here in Aspen Mm -hmm. in those early years when I was asked, Sarah, what are you working on? Would you like to open up? You know, we'll add a little bit to the early part of a theater season so that you can try out a new play. I was nurtured here as an artist, and I want to see that happen again because my concern right now is someone in their 30s that wants to do what I did 35 years ago. Was it really that long? Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a structure for that right now. That doesn't right. exist. And, and the city council has always maintained very close control over um, the allocation of grant funds, not just for the arts, but for other nonprofits as well. I mean, as you and I discussed, when I, I was very surprised when I started as finance director in 2002 to discover that I was the de facto grants officer for the city. Okay, the city didn't be, have could, a grants officer. Let's be clear on this. So what happened was you were hired to be the finance director, uh-huh. which you're very good at, and you came here and they said to you, the city council said to you. Well, I mean, it was obviously with the city manager. Oh, okay, uh, part of the budget process, your responsibility is to coordinate and manage a, a volunteer citizen um, review committee to review grant applications to the city from all the nonprofits. And it's a not an insignificant amount of money, you know, it was over a million dollars, I think, at the time in total, and it's gone up since then overall. And um, and I have no training in, you know, certainly in in uh, managing an arts organization or in understanding the those issues. So I learned a lot and I and I was actually, you know, grateful for the opportunity to learn, but 
there was a, it was de-emphasized. It felt to me as though that part of the city's budget process was de-emphasized as more of a ministerial process rather than one that was substantive. And we did a lot of work with the county. Nan Sundin, who's about to retire, and I worked together to put together a joint grant application. We did a lot of work. I think we improved it. But the piece that's, that is relevant here is, you know, the $100,000 limitation on RET funds that can be used for arts um, and cultural and visual and performing arts grants from the RET has never changed since 1979. Meanwhile, RET revenue has exploded. Yes, I understand. Um, and uh, the other piece is, is that the $300,000 that the, that the city allocates from earned revenue at the Wheeler that also s- supplements grant funding for nonprofits, for arts nonprofits, that number has not gone up in many, many years. And this is a problem. So, and this so, needs right. to change. And so in, so in a sense, you know, moving you know, down your little agenda here that you put together, that I think is on the good side of the ledger for this, right? Because the, the city is asking the voters, do you want to give the city more flexibility to fund more arts and um, uh, you know, cultural and visual and performing arts activity, nonprofit activity in your community generally? But they, of course, leave the responsibility for that to the council because the council's always had that responsibility and they, they really, it's very clear that they, from the measure, that they don't intend to give that up or to delegate that. Okay, so when I, the reason I went in, I'm here with you, and the reason I went in last week on October 12th, and I believe you can look at this if you want to, it was a recorded regular mm-hmm. meeting, and I proposed to them that um, the, the way, we all know this <laughs> in our community here, the phrase that I hear quite a bit is our spirit has dimmed. And I think it's because that we have neglected to fiscally, emotionally support the artists, the scholars, the writers. We have still phenomenal people in this community. And I want to be very honest, we've lost some of those people mm-hmm. in the last decade. They've, they've been forced to go elsewhere mm-hmm. to survive because they're professionals yeah. and they're creative and I want I don't want that to continue. I would love to see more money go to the artists, but we need in place something that's going to tell us the way I uh, phrased it to the council last week is public um, responsibility, public policy went awry on the arts over the last decade, Mm -hmm. at least. And we need assurance, some kind of assurance here, that it's going to be spent more wisely. Also, not only that it needs to be spent more wisely, perhaps by a council that's Mm -hmm. that's artistically wise and fiscally responsible, Mm Um, what about this, um, the flexibility of that RETT tax? Again, for those of you watching, it's a real estate transfer tax originally meant for the visual and the performing arts and um, to fix and maintain our opera house. So, Well, you know, a little ahead. bit of the, a background. The way this whole initiative got started was there was a citizens group that proposed a, um, uh, that petitioned the community they didn't get enough signatures to put their measure on the ballot. But their intention was to 
have a measure that essentially split the rent so that 50% remained with the, the Wheeler Opera House and then 50% would go to arts programs for the schools, if I remember correctly. Oh, I think that's right. Okay. And that didn't get enough signatures to get on the ballot. Okay. Um, and I think it's fortunate that it didn't. And I wrote this in my column uh, a couple months ago, back in August, because the RET, while it generates a lot of money, it's a notoriously volatile source of income because right. it fluctuates based upon the real estate economy. Right. And um, it has, if, if I, I analyzed collections from 2001 to 2020, okay. and it has what's called a standard deviation, which is the amount, the percentage of the average amount that collections are expected to vary from year to year. And the standard deviation for the red over that time period is 0.4, which is 40%. So to take 50% of a tax and allocate it to some other undefined purpose, when it may vary by as much as 40% in any given year, gotcha. is, is, is really a dangerous precedent. Okay, set. but I'm going to jump in here, and I'm going to talk about something I've so, watched evolve in the community. Well, one, one last thing, though. So, so that, I think, drove the council to try and come up with what they saw as a more reasonable ballot measure. That uh, to put in front of the citizens, which okay. is I, and which is I think what they've tried to do: put a simple, straightforward ballot measure together that um, leaves control of the allocation of the money to them, but but lifts the restriction on the hundred thousand dollar restriction on the RET. I see. So in a year where we had much less income from the RETT, we may need to put sixty uh, percent into our structures. Right. Like a new studio here for grassroots, right. but um, mm -hmm. but in another year, thank you for maybe that shameless 60. plug as a board member. <laughs> well, I mean, we're here at the grace of this amazing place, and yeah. you know, and still operating. And hey, I'm I run a small nonprofit. It has been the most challenging last two years in our 38-year history, right. and I am very lucky that my door is still open. And yep. it's only open a crack, yep. so I understand this. But but my concern is that it, over the last, really, 15 years, it went, when there was more money, it, it, it got smaller to the arts, and I don't mean art in general, I mean the creative part of the arts, and more went to administrative salaries. That's a big B in my bonnet. And um, structures. And I think right. it's about our mindset. We mm -hmm. have to really think about how we value creativity. Yep. Understood. Yep. I agree with that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Are we on to the good points yet? So I think we're on to the good points. Oh, wow. So, so you know, what could happen? What could be the great thing? So if well, voters go out and say, lift the restriction, let's put more money into the creative and visual, sorry, performing and visual arts, Right. what could happen? Well, I think on the positive end, I think that lifting the restriction will um, certainly, almost certainly, and will result in um, significantly more money going to the arts from the city. And I think that's a good thing. The, uh, we'll talk about the concerns later, but I think that's positive. That's a positive move. The first time that I ever heard someone propose the idea of repurposing existing taxes at the city of Aspen was in 2008 when 
Mick Ireland, when he was mayor, commissioned a citizen budget task force, and um, I facilitated that the year after I left the city. I was finance director until 2007, and during the year 2008, I facilitated that group. And one of their um, suggestions to the city at the time was, you know, rather than propose just propose new taxes, see if there are ways to ask the voters to make better use of the taxes that we have. This is an example of that that's finally coming before the voters. Um, and there have been a lot of discussions of it over the years. That was the first time I had heard it. May have may have been proposed before that by somebody else. I don't know. Um, uh, and it wasn't my idea, but it, it came from the group. Um, so I think that it's good, and I think that's a good thing as well. The, the city's trying to make good use of its money uh, in a changing environment, um, and, I, and it's lifted that restriction and it's provided more flexibility. And I think that will result in more money going to the arts. Those, I think, are very good points. Um, I also wanted to point out that in its staff report, city, uh, the city staff, um, you know, under the signature of, of Sarah Ott, the city manager, they do make a nod to small local arts nonprofits as, as being deserving of additional funding. Now, there's nothing in the measure that requires that money go to smaller um, local nonpro- arts nonprofits. But and the staff at least are... And how big is a nod? Well, exactly. Well, they, well, they, they wrote, it's in, it's in the staff analysis that they, um, that they want to be able to bring, to, to, to build into their process an opportunity to have more, uh, more of that. That, I saw that in the staff report and I, I think that's a positive. Recently. Yeah, it's in their staff report from August, from, uh, from when the council was considering the ballot measure before they had actually brought it forward. As the director of a 38 year small nonprofit, and by the way, when you give money to a smaller nonprofit, my experience is you get a bigger bang for your buck. <laughs> well, you get a bigger bang for your buck. You also get more diversity, right? And you get more interest and more, you know, uh, just more interest and more fun and more vibrancy because you've got all these different organizations doing things. So, right. um, uh, so I think it's really important. And and you and I have had this conversation, right? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Um, recently in preparation for this discussion that that um, I think we both feel that to a great extent the arts community in Aspen while there are elements of it that are very strong um, other elements of it have kind of been hollowed out um, actually dri- they have been yeah, hollowed and, out not kind of yeah they've s- been right dug and moved right because there's the the as the community has grown and become this international resort community um, uh, and cost, the, the cost of living here has gone up, the cost of everything has gone up, it's become more and more difficult for, um, for small local artists to just survive. And, I mean, the building we're sitting in is an effort that the city made almost 20 years ago when the red brick was created to, to, try, and, to try and address that issue. Um, this, I think, is a, it can be another one, but there's no evidence in the measure that it will be another one. Right, and... I've had discussions with, um, private discussions with two of the council members, and I'm not convinced yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, here I am, a lifelong arts person. I just turned 70, and I've spent 43 years of grounding and founding my art here in this community. And I'm still on the fence about this because it needs to, ch- where it goes needs to change. How it's spent needs to change in order to get our spirit back, in order to make us strong again. Because I think 
Now, we're going to get into this discussion, I guess. Uh, well, well before, of, before we get to okay, that, do you yeah. think, are there any good points that you can think of that I didn't mention? Huh. Well. Because you kind of nodded that over to me, and I just want to make sure we don't move on oh, until you have thank a chance you. to. You know, this is, it's, it's challenging. It's actually tough for me to get hopeful again. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, um, the way that we creative individuals have been treated here is it kind of made me not to want to go in that room again you know I um, we talked a little bit earlier about saying we're for the arts but really being and committing to the people who bring us art right I mean it's it's gotten more popular to bring famous singers from England, and that's fantastic to see somebody like that, right? Mm -hmm. But nurturing our own artists, it's not just about making someone who knows how to get up and be on a stage. Mm -hmm. When one of the reasons, I'm gonna be very honest here, one of the reasons I did not sell my studio was, because believe me, it got really tough to be here, it got emotionally and artistically difficult to work because I felt dismissed and the mm-hmm. amazing people I worked with felt that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we make art according to how we feel. Right. But I saw a woman walking past uh, my studio one day in the park. I thought, you know, it's too hard. I, I'm just going to sell and go. And I saw a look on her. I watched her face. And she looked up at my studio, and I could tell that she said to herself, oh, that poet, I don't know who she is, that, that woman that dances, she still lives there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I saw it on her face, and I thought... Oh. Right. So this is very personal to you. Well, yeah. Yes, this is very personal. Well, I think it's important to say for the audience that, I mean, this is how personal this really is. And, but, but it's not, I mean, it's about, there, there used to be a lot of people like you. Yeah. And now there's you and maybe a few other people. There are a few other artists here that have studios here in the Red Brick and in in the community that work hard and are able to to make it. But it's it's not a flourishing, growing, you know, um, kind of uh, community at this point in your view, right? Right. And I said this the other day in city council in the office because it's our city. Right. And I want young people now to know, go in there. Talk, speak up, don't be afraid. You know, I've asked people to come here and speak, and there's a kind of fear, you know. People are reticent about speaking up, afraid they might not have the income that they're barely getting by on, you know. It's it's an atmosphere that's so difficult. I've already lost my job, so I can't lose mine. I mean, it's... There's a... Well, there isn't... There's kind of this undercurrent on everything these days, right, about um, will this issue become politicized? And if I'm on the wrong side of this issue, is that going to cost me something? And that's and that and so I think on any issue that goes to the ballot, that's a concern for people. Uh, a lot of people. I think you're right, and that's unfortunate. And I want to say something about it being personal for me. It's not when you're an artist that works with a lot of collaborators mm-hmm. and inspires a lot of students. It's not just about that individual artist. Right. I mean, I see someone that I taught. 
at community school 30 years ago, and he's gone off to Switzerland, and he thought he was going to be a banker, and he shows up in my parking lot, and I, mm -hmm. and I don't recognize him, but he recognized me, and he says, Sarah, I'm back. I'm home, you know. Our lives as creative people touch a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we t our job really is to spark that, that, that feeling of being alive, that, that, that feeling you get why you buy a ticket. If you, you know, you got so much money left, you go see a new film because right. you're excited. Right. You're excited to be alive. So it's, it's personal, but my life in the, kind, in the nonprofit way that I've worked touches a lot of people. Right. So there's a couple things on the agenda, okay. on, on the list here that you put yeah. under good points that I think are really important. Okay. And I don't want to steal your thunder on them. So 3A and 3B, yeah, I think you should mention those. Okay. So in the good points, I, I've watched other, many people use this word, um, I've watched corporate thinking mm -hmm. invade the arts, right? Mm -hmm. And so I looked up the antonym of that, because, you know, we all have an idea of what that means, uh, especially here in the United States. Um, we call it Turtle Island. Native Americans call this Turtle Island. Um, I looked up the antonym, and the antonym, or the opposite definition of corporate thinking, is very interesting. The first definition in, I think, Webster's is mutual cooperation and protection, which I find very interesting. Yep. Because history proves um, tyrannies fall, and the, we are really safer in the long run when we watch out for each other. Yeah. And that means everybody. Yep. Yeah. And this kind of came out of the context of a conversation that you and I had about the kind of the stratification of everything in Aspen, including the arts community. And those there are elements of the arts community that have been very successful, but they're they're the very um, well to do moneyed um, nonprofits. Um, that, uh, that, that by and large serve donors and serve visitors. And they're very important to the community. Very. And, they're, and they're very valuable and they do a great job. But they are a part of the arts community. And, and I'm the one who I think used the term in our conversation of, of, of corporate, right? That they're more of, more, it's more of a corporatized kind of approach to art. Um, and, and then you took that and you went and you looked for the opposite of that which I thought was really, really um, smart of you to do. And, and, uh, and very and, and I think you're right. I think that um, that is a good way of defining what's been hollowed out. Um, that, that, that sense of mutual cooperation and protect, protection in, in the community has been hollowed out in a lot of ways. One of those ways is in the arts community. But, but it's, not, it's not limited to that, but that's what we're talking about now. Yeah, so that when... I'm glad to hear that staff thought was thinking that way about the mm -hmm. so-called smaller arts groups. Mm -hmm. um, um, and then this is a phrase that I included that you brought up, and it's art for art's sake. Mm -hmm. um, I am now the bottom line in my life. My mom was my business partner, and she was good at business, and I've had a very interesting two and a half years to keep my two mortgages paid and right. work some. <laughs> I mean, I've done a lot of growing up since my mom passed, but she's with us today, I think. Um, art for art's sake. So what does art for art's sake mean? What does that mean? Right. So you're 
is that rhetorical, or are you really asking no, I'm me? I'm asking. Well, you. art for art's sake is you know what is the what do people in the community um, uh, want to do to express themselves, and it's self-expression. Uh, in, in my view, and I'm, I'm not an artist. This is not my field. It's not my wheelhouse. But it's really, but I think it's been discounted, um, not just in Aspen, everywhere, but certainly in Aspen. And uh, it needs to be a larger part of the community, and people need to see it as something that's important, to, that people should be encouraged to produce their own art, um, whether it's for... Um, their own enjoyment, for the enjoyment of their family, for the enjoyment of their school, um, for an event, uh, for whatever purpose, um, it's very, very important that it be honored and respected. Uh, and I think that it is, to the extent that, that it occurs, it's, it's honored and respected. What's happened is, is that the opportunity for it to occur has been kind of crowded out of the economic environment in Aspen. So, someone's listening and they're thinking, should I or shouldn't I um, vote for this lifting of the ceiling? It's a tough one for me because it needs to be lifted. And I'm gonna, I said this before and I'm going to repeat it because for me it's the big issue. As a community, and I suppose I'm going to have to, when I get down to it and I have to decide how I'm going to vote... I guess I'm going to have to trust our council members that they're listening to us, that they're in agreement. Um, that well, the, well, this gets to the challenges, right, that we talked about. Okay. And, and, yeah. and um, uh, you know, that's point number four in, in the agenda that you put together, challenges, which are, you know, what are the things that might cause somebody to not want to vote for this? Um, it's the repurposing of, of an existing tax. It's not an additional tax. It doesn't raise anybody's taxes. It repurposes taxes and it provides the city with the opportunity to evaluate the needs and to distribute those dollars as the city council sees fit to meet those needs under really pretty broad criteria, which are pretty much unchanged from the original um, ballot measure in 1979, with the exception of the addition of the word cultural to visual and performing arts. Actually, I, I'm going to disagree so. with you on that in terms of the repositioning, because when we set this up initially, we really envisioned that, I understand why you can't do the 50% every year because it's a variable amount. Mm -hmm. But we really knew, and I talked with John here at Grassroots about this earlier, you can't just focus on fixing the room. you got to pay the people that are going to be in the room, right? right? Mm -hmm. Unless you just want administrators. But I mean, we have a great example here. Right. You're an amazing person in finance who loves and respects art. And I invited you because every time I'm with you, I feel like I matter. I feel like my creativity is value. I know that you value it. I mean, I meet okay. with well, other you. people that are actually in administrative arts positions in the community who literally, to be kind, you know, have not been taught how to value someone like me who's in a, I don't know what I'm going to do field because right. 
to be a good artist, we have to be open and we have to be experimental. And we, you know, and somebody says to me, well, what are you going to do in that room? And, you know, the really, the best answer, if I've finished another project is, I don't know yet until mm -hmm. I get in there. Right. And somebody who's worried doesn't like that answer. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would like for the administrators in our creative spaces to be actually the way I've been treated here at Grassroots and to say, well, you know, we got to trust you because somebody's got to figure out where we're going. Well, well th and this is, the, this is the issue that we talked about, quite, that you and I talked about quite a bit in advance of this, which is under challenges, which is, you know, what are the, what are the influences the city council is reserving for itself uh, in this measure uh, through their budget process, the authority to allocate this money to individual organizations as they see fit. That is completely within their purview. And, you know, and you and I discuss this. These are good people. They're, they're, not, they're not intending to do anything nefarious, but they are not people that have an expertise in the arts necessarily. Right. Right. And they are politicians who are influenced. And it's not unusual for ballot measures that are brought forward by, typically by citizens who would be more in an advocacy position than a city council. A city, city councilors aren't, aren't advocates, right? They're, so there's no reason to expect that they would have done what you wanted them to do with this, in my view. But they, there is, but you would feel better about this, I, I sense, if there were more, you know, maybe a little more structure around how the dollars were allocated and that there was an arts council or a group that was educated in the arts and dedicated to the community that had a role built into the measure, um, it, you would feel better about that. And also, I don't like that if it doesn't pass, that if I understand this correctly, the Opera House has just more money flowing into the structure because that is a that's a that's a big issue in many performers in this community and I've spoken to well several mm -hmm. not to exaggerate in the last three weeks and we're very disappointed about not having access to perform or try out a new play or be in our own opera house so mm -hmm. that's a that's a big problem well it's it's another example of that crowding out that's happened incrementally over the years right Right. And almost imperceptibly in the eyes of a lot of the people who are responsible for managing these programs day to day. Because they've got their nose the grindstone. They're working every day trying to just move forward. They've got influencers and, and managers and supervisors of their own that have their own interests. Okay, and so, it's, so, it's, so it's a, it's a, there, there's a lot of momentum in a certain direction that's been going on for a long time in the arts that, community. And that needs redirecting. I mean, that mm -hmm. really needs to change in yep. order for this, regardless of who does what, in order for our community to feel inspired, yep. jubilant, excited yep. about going into an arts venue again. Mm -hmm. We have to infuse it with creativity not you know there's a misnomer that an arts building um is an arts building if it's not full of people creating and making art and right. you know we've had another instance of a, a 
a large health issue, which I know has slowed down things here somewhat in the red brick. But still, you know, if I were the arts administrator here in this building right now, I'd be taking that salary and canvassing every artist I could to get into that dance room and start right. writing and teaching and exploring again. You right. know, that's what I'd be doing right. because we need that. And, and I hope that we can teach our creative administrators, for those that haven't been taught that, to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was very um, clear with our mayor, Mayor Tory, um, I, you know, I'm not asking to lower the standard of, of level of payment to our amazing city workers, but I'm asking to rise ours up to meet it. Ours need to be met because we're just as important. Right. You know, and, and I think Aspen's been built on a reputation. I had the great good fortune to work, to perform with Hunter. I mean, Hunter Thompson made me brave, you know? He made me right. brave. And I worked with John Denver for a number of years doing marketing, graphics, uh, many things. Someone said the other day, you know, you. they started to say, you're so lucky to work with... I said, wait a minute. John was lucky to work with me. We were lucky to work with each other. Right. Yep. You know, we still mm -hmm. have some of us who are not quite relics here right. that know how to create international performances and all kinds of exciting things. Yep. So when it, so when it comes to the distribution of the funds, you know, the... Um, it, you know, the it will be if this ballot measure passes, it will be up to the city council, and they will be able to use their budget process or 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 amend or change their application process or add to it uh, in some way to kind of direct um, their staff to kind of manage it in a way that that uh, that is directed towards what they think is important. One of the things that I will give a nod to the folks who proposed the initial citizen initiative is that in in most communities, an appreciation of the arts, it starts in two places, right? It starts in the home and it starts in the schools. And, you know, I, both of my daughters graduated from Aspen High School. And um, I think they did as, I think the, the school district here did as much as they could with the money they had. But the, the arts program here in Aspen, Colorado, surrounded by all this opulence and wealth, um, you know, the music program, the arts program, um, the performing arts program, theater, it didn't hold a candle to what I was used to. In, from sub, and I grew up in suburban Cincinnati, and we had a great arts program. And uh, every year, the musical was a big community event. If you had kids in school or not, everybody went to the musical. And it, they, they did, you know, a, six or seven performances and that kind of thing and um and there's a so there is um a real need if you're going to really rebuild the core of appreciation for the arts in aspen i think a dimension of that also has to be with the schools i don't know how they do that but well, that's something that i, I do think is important. you do an artist in residence program in the schools we we did that before we took our uh choreographers. Mm -hmm. uh, the way we got the recycling center is we sent 12 to 15 artists into science classes, into uh, 
environment, uh, environmental mm -hmm. classes, into art classes, and asked the students, how do you feel about what's happening to our environment? And kids made all kinds of things, and we filled the former art museum with the, just tons of stuff. I mean, the best part was, um, uh, you know, I'm a, you don't know my environmental background. I'm working with John Denver and Jean-Michel Cousteau these many years. Um, I've been a very strong advocate of the environment, and it's something I've learned here in Aspen, being able to work with these amazing people that love our environment. Um, so anyway, the kids, two groups of kids made fish masks, and, um, and then I helped other kids build up a riverbank. It was pretty high, about this high. Mm -hmm. And so we had uh, some skateboards, and kids took a fish mask, got on the skateboard, swam through the river, and other kids stood on the, on the river and tried to hit the, the fish kids in the head with a Coke can on a string. It was so much fun. But they got, you know, they realized, and this was with the schools, that they realized, man, I threw something away in a river. I hit a f fish right. on the head. Yeah. We kept the museum open another hour because they were having so much fun. They made the art. They played it out. It was extraordinary. Yeah. And we did that in the schools. You know, I want to get, I'm animated about this, but I also want to get very sincere right now about what you just said about our arts in the schools program. Mm -hmm. That is extremely serious because our young people need to be with creative people to bring mm -hmm. out their true selves. I mean, mm -hmm. this, this also relates to mental health. Mm -hmm. um, the statistics show that if you invest in creativity, that, you, that the community's well-being is much stronger right? because they work it out. Right. They, they learn the coping skills and they learn the ability to work it out with others. Yeah, yeah I mean, years ago in the community play, the community school play, when I went to the school and I said, all right, um, yeah, I'll do your play this year because the woman that did it normally was on sabbatical. I said, but I never tell kids what to say. They're going to write it. And they looked at me like, excuse me? I go, yeah, well, they all improvise. I record it all. I put it together in the most mishmashed, crazy script you could imagine. Right. But they wrote it. Right. And they were invested in it. And it was amazing to see what came out yeah. of that. And there was one kid that uh, was, you know, making a lot of noise. And the people from the school, brilliant educators, came to me and said, you've lost your voice. You've got to take him out. And I said, you told me no kid gets left out. And I went to this kid, and he was sabotaging things. And I said, this is theater. You can do whatever you want. And he was very upset. And he, I said, well, what do you want to do? He goes, I don't want to do any of that stuff you, you suggested. I said, fine, what do you want to do? And he told me that he was having terrible trouble in his life and that he felt like he was dragging this heavy burden. I said, can you get a refrigerator box? And he looked at me like, he was 15, he's a mm -hmm. strong boy. He goes, yeah, what would I want to do that for? I said, get it, paint it like a brick, get it in here tomorrow, and drag it across the back of the stage in the scene. And he said, excuse me? I said, this is theater. Do it on stage with the rest of us. He was the ringleader in that group. Oh, man, when he added that element to mm -hmm. the play... The whole school just went into this fantastic, jubilant celebration of everybody. It's yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, 
Exactly. So in terms of distribution of funds, I think, you know, there is nothing in the measure that requires the council to do it, but marshalling the force, if this was is to pass, marshalling the forces of the community to advocate for opportunity for such opportunities to fund such opportunities i think is really important right that's i think that's the the place where that fits and then finally the last bullet item we've got here future vision so reigniting a genuine place for creativity right and that's what you just described you just described a, gen, a genuinely creative exchange right. that you had and you freed that young man to to, demo, to to express himself, and hopefully he took that and he was able to use that um, in other ways in the future. Back in the days when I had a dressing room in my own opera house, right. I came out into the hall after I had calmed down because the performance was over, and there was a man waiting for me. And I went to introduce myself. He said, I know who you are. You're Sarah. You're, you were Chris's teacher. And that father, years later, came to see me to tell me that that young man, uh, he's part Native American, he's Crow, I believe, has become an environmental leader. I mean, that was a, that was a mm -hmm. tipping point in that right. boy's life. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And our, our kids need this, and I want to emphasize again, not only the young folks in our schools learning about themselves, whether they go, whatever they feel, field they go into. My dad graduated, graduated from Bowdoin College in Maine, and Bowdoin College still requires theater, art, mm -hmm. writing, mm -hmm. no matter, even as if you get a political degree from right. Bowdoin in Maine, you have to study the arts, yep. because that's what makes us yeah. a human being. Yes, it does. What other thoughts on vision before we wrap up? Okay, we're about to wrap up. Thank you for sticking with us, those of you who have um, vision. Um, hmm. I think m my final point is to question yourself when you're making contributions this year. If you're a donor, um, if you're a policymaker, if you're in finance, or if you're still in the arts, to really question how much of your, we'll call it a budget for simplicity's sake, goes into what you know is going to work into the maintenance or the continued maintenance of a structure or facility, and how much are you really spending on taking a chance, mm -hmm. on buying a painting of from a young or new artist on uh, writing a check to put a new play on, on, on really how, where are we investing? I use the word invest, but it doesn't just mean money. It's like, or, you know, to get money back in the future. Where is each individual putting their, what we need to value these things? Right. And, to, and to shift it over, shift it over to taking, all right, a little less 
into what's fiscally responsible and a little more into what we really need as human beings. You know, it's really interesting because it's a, you, you use the, you kind of juxtaposition with fiscal responsibility. I don't think it's not fiscally responsibility, fiscally ah. responsible though, to, to ah. support the arts. Good point. You know, I think, I think, I, I know where you're going with that though, because that's the argument, you're, you're arguing back against the argument that's been made against the arts all, you know, that's all, that's constantly made against the arts, exhaustively made against the arts. Right. You know, oh, it's just not fiscally responsible to spend tax dollars on this, that, or the other. And, um, the, uh, and that, that, in my view, um, there's a balance to everything, and I think we just moved a little too far. And, um, and I think it is time to move it back a little bit. But, it, but it, it, for all the reasons that you just expressed um, uh, in terms of the value, uh, there's great value. There's great community value in, in arts programs and in emphasizing the arts in, uh, as, an, as an element of a community. In so. fact, actually, uh, a friend of mine has a master's in this, yeah, she does expressive art therapy. When we invest in our creativity, we have less mental health problems, mm -hmm. less incarceration problems, yep. and in the long run, investing in creativity may actually save us money. What an idea, what huh? What a concept. What a concept. <laughs> I almost forgot yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. okay? That, so when you're writing a check... And, or sending, telling your kid, you know, you don't have to just do soccer. Hey, you want to go to a theater class? Go for it. You know, that it may save us money. Yeah, in the long run, it may. It probably and it probably will. So interesting. Yeah. Okay, so have we have we covered the I future vision? I think we have covered to A or not to A. So I personally, I, you know, I'm a carpetbagger. I don't live in Aspen. I used to, but I don't anymore. I was the finance director. I don't live in Aspen. But I think that 2A is, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's an improvement over the current um, situation. Wow. I think it sets a precedent for the city council to consider repurposing existing tax dollars to meet changing needs. I think that's very important in the long term. And I think it will result in improved allocation and distribution of monies to nonprofits. It'll be a political process in order to do that. And it'll, and I mean, the work begins, if it passes, that's when the work begins, right? To advocate for- Are you asking what? me to trust so, those folks that uh, have ignored us for so long? Are you asking me to do that? Well, you have to, you have to do, they're there anyway. You <laughs> might as well give them the ability to do the right thing. Oh. <laughs> okay, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot. Can I can I get back to you on that you answer? You can. Of course <laughs> yeah. you can. Because I think we're going to have another discussion, I hope, with a, a producing artist, uh, director of production in one of our groups, I hope. Okay, so for those of you that are still with us, thank you so much. Do get out and vote. Um, I want to say that there will be another. I'm going to present again at the October 26th. A regular meeting before the election on how I might envision my suggestions for creating a uh, arts council that's also fiscally engaged, let's say, not responsible, but engaged. Like that. And any of you out there, there's still chance, three minutes for each of us to talk at that October 26th meeting and put your Two so. cents, three cents, four dollars in on the 2A issue yep. before it goes to vote. Yep. Good advice. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, you're you're really like I said, you're get, you're getting me back in the saddle. Good. Glad I'm gonna. Should I make art again? I don't you know. Of course you should. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of. It's made me a little bit short on the uh, mortgage it's a, payment. It's but. a great little video on YouTube that I saw of Edward Van Halen before he passed away, where he's oh. where he's uh, where he looks in the camera and he goes, "Keep playing. You got to keep playing. It's music. Got to keep playing." Right. So keep playing. Keep playing. Keep painting. Keep, keep painting. Keep drawing, dancing. Keep, keep doing it all. Whew, okay. Okay. That I will do. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank everybody. You. And thank you, Grassroots. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're still going. America's Original. Oh, gosh. I can't get. How do I get. Do you, you know. America's Original Community Access Television Station. America's Original the Community. The very first one right here, the 1972. The very first one. 50th anniversary next year. 50th anniversary of yep. America's, say it one more time. America's original community access public television station. Wow, how honored, huh? Yeah. Thank you so much, and tune in again.